What's going on, everybody? Hollywood Cole is back again for another Smooth Ramblings. And uh, before I set this up, this guest here that we got, I do got to say, if you if you do your own podcast, or you'll know about this thing. But what I've found, we've been doing podcasts for about three years, and this is a Smooth Ramblings, which is just kind of a subset of the H&K video game experience. Um, and uh, I'll get calls every, so every time you do a podcast... You'll get calls or something, not every time, but sometimes you do a, con- a controversial podcast and you get calls about, uh, why didn't y'all say this? Or y'all said this, you should have said this, or or whatever the case. Um, people call and send me, they, they've been fussing at their radios and wanted to, <laughs> wanted to be on a podcast so they can, can remedy it or whatever the case. Well, we had a podcast with Nick Thimianos, so Smooth Ramblings previously, as you guys are aware if you've been a, a regular listener here. Where we did the Mandalorian. Nick's a regular guest, and um, he comes on a lot. We've done Dead Sales. We've done How to Be a uh, Do You Want to Be a Game Designer. We did Final Fantasy, and uh, so we just said let's do Mandalorian. It was never meant to be a fact finding podcast. It was just a we enjoyed the Mandalorian. Let's chop it up a little bit. Nick was pretty smart on the lore. Well, this started this snowball here, and so uh, just for just for the um, just for example. Uh, of how contentious perhaps this this topic is i was watching a video on youtube and it was a a british guy watching um stuff about 25 things that you might find weird about america or something if you're moving to america or visiting america or whatever and in the comments of the youtube video it said do not talk about star wars it is up there with politics and religion and it will get people riled up about the lore okay um, so I've never been a, uh, a Star Wars like nerd, I guess. I don't know a lot about the lore. I just like, I love the, I love four five and six from a filmmaking aspect. I think they're, they're wonderful, perfect movies. Um, as far as the story goes and it's a great setting, etc. cetera, et cetera. They're, they're timeless. They still hold up today. So we did the Mandalorian with Nick and then Clearfire comes on here, wants to do, some Mandalorian chat. Then we had to hold to do a whole nother Mandalorian lore podcast. Well, that got the attention of this man here that I have with me. And, um, <laughs> he is a, uh, hardcore star Wars guy introducing swinging thunder. What's up, dude? What's up, man? <laughs> Thanks for having me here. I'm glad we're having you here, man. So, uh, so what is your, tell us a little bit about your star Wars fascination or, you know, where did it get well, started? Gotcha. It's it's not your normal thing. Um, episode four, five, and six, the original trilogy. Uh, I think everybody can at least respect the fact that that was a classic trilogy. You know, it goes down in movie history. Um, obviously, there's people are mixed on the prequels, and then I think universally we all agree seven and eight, and nine were horrible. But I'm not that big of a fan of any of the movies, to be honest with you. Oh, I mean, wow. I respect four, five, and six, uh, but. Weirdly enough, Clone Wars, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the animated series, uh, my oldest was a huge fan, and I would watch it with him, and what I noticed, and I'm sure you know what I mean, that there are certain cartoons that are so layered that, you know, it hits that five-year-old group, and they just like the pretty colors, and they like the characters, but every layer, every age group, it goes up and up and up, and there's just peeling an onion, you get more out of it, and I was amazed at the lore behind Star Wars, the Clone Wars, as well as... If you watch, it's a lot of episodes. I think it's 134 episodes across seven seasons. But if you watch it, it does an incredible job of filling in why Anakin turns and a lot Mm. of other lores in there that's incredible. And I've heard you and Clear talk, and Favreau deserves all the credit in the world, but the guy that you guys are forgetting about is a guy named Dave Filoni. And Dave Filoni was the director of Clone Wars. He was the director of Rebels. And he has basically been George Lucas's right-hand man, and he's also Favreau's right-hand man. He was the one who directed uh, the Ahsoka episode, and we could talk about that later. But that's where my history with Star Wars comes into it. And then, obviously, The Mandalorian was huge. I think everybody loves it. And it made me go back to a lot of the stuff I remember from The Clone Wars, and then which took me to Rebels, and just really understanding a lot of that. So was Filoni involved in any of the, the movies? Uh, no. With, with George? Okay. Uh, well, there was no, a guy. He got, Go ahead. I was going to say, no, he got in on the Clone Wars, the animated series. That's where he, uh, he was a big fan of Star Wars, big time Star Wars fan, got really close to Lucas. He's the guy that they chose to be the director for the Clone Wars, and he's been involved with almost every big thing with Star Wars since. 
Okay, yeah. I've heard Filoni and um, you know Favreau is kind of hand-in-hand, and you see it in The Mandalorian, too. I didn't know he did Clone Wars or Rebels, which is pretty cool. So now he has, a, he has first-hand experience to be able to tie that into The Mandalorian, which we're going to talk about, by the way. We're talking about Star Wars in general first. We're talking about The Mandalorian, particularly, again, um, which is you can't get enough Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought for a minute, if he had... If he had uh, anything to do with the movies and I'd mentioned this before and you might know the guy I don't remember it but I saw where one guy was talking to George Lucas and they're getting an argument to where and it sounds like it's like not real but it really is weird I'm just making it sound like it's yeah. uh, you know the way that I'm presenting out of context you know because I just don't remember but look it up I, mean, I should look it up by now Taylor perhaps will look it up but I ain't looked it up yet <laughs> but uh, I don't remember where I saw it but um, they were they were in a discussion and George Lucas was saying that the people like Star Wars because of the the um all the massive um, special effects and stuff. And the other guy was like, no, it's because of the story. Well, I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but George Lucas seemed to say, no, it's about the special effects. And we saw a lot of those in one, two, and three. Right. Yes. And they, they did okay, but uh, it didn't make them timeless. Special effects does not make a movie timeless. It may not be what he's going for. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. It does not make it timeless. Uh, with, Lucas's take on that, if you dig through interviews with him, what's funny about that is, uh, and I think that was Filoni he was arguing with. Filoni's the one that's really... Yeah, could be. And this, that's kind of my thing. I'm a lore guy, and that's Star Wars, that's Zelda, and I mean, it's not just related to video games, but if you can tell a good story, you got a good world that you have built, and your people are interested in Game of Thrones. There's so many things in Game of Thrones that people haven't even touched on yet, or even George R.R. R. Martin. He mentions and throws couple of things here and there there's this crazy clan of people over here that you never hear about again uh but nobody's gonna know the end of that though you know nobody's gonna know the end of gr martin's he's not gonna finish it he's lost interest i don't don't think he knows the end of it yeah (laughs) (laughs) well okay we won't get into that we're gonna have to get into that later um so go ahead sorry what were you saying about star wars well george has george lucas has said that you know a lot of that what we're seeing now with the Mandalorian was his original intent behind it. Honestly, uh, it was that was George Lucas's original intent. It was supposed to be like he he got it from like almost those spaghetti westerns as a kid or these oh, serialized okay. movies and stuff. So it was he wanted it to be almost like a TV series in these little episodes that you could tie in together. Where the movies came into and all that other stuff, I do not know. But I mean, I know he has said that before, and it, like people have criticized him for the prequels, and he was like, well. Part of the reasons that the dialogue's campy is because what I based it off of was campy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the campiness was the problem. I don't know. What it just was not a very in-depth story. I don't know. I really don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. It does not hit home. Like we talked about with Clear on on the last H and K. I think the mystique of it was that nobody knew what a Jedi was. And you're kind of yes. seeing Luke grow in this new world with a new ability. And that's really what kind of hits it home, I think. Well, I think I heard both your guys' sides, and I kind of agree with both sides. I mean, we did know what was coming. Uh, and so, I mean, how much of a story can you tell when we kind of know what the ending's going to be? I do think it gets a little bit more hate than it should. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the hugest fan of the prequel trilogies, but... Sometimes it seems like Lucas doesn't give a lot of thought to things, and there's other times where the thought is so deep it's crazy. And I'll give you an example. At the end of The Phantom Menace, and I'm not a musician, so I apologize, but the song during the duel between Quagon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul, the name of the song is called Duel of the Fates. And the reason it's called Duel of the Fates is it's Anakin's fate that's up in the air at that point. If Quagon lives, he's a whole different Anakin. Versus Obi Wan being the one who wound up being his his master and his uh, mentor, if you will. Oh wow, yeah, that's interesting, dude. Yeah, so I love those little details like that. Um, well, just since we're talking about how deep it goes, man, tell me about Han Solo shooting first. What, what's that about? <laughs> I see. Once again, I'm not the biggest movie fan. Now, Han Han did shoot first. I mean, there's there's obviously video evidence of that, right. but. Well, Who cares, really? <laughs> no, no, it's a big deal, man. It is a huge deal because, oh, man, it's just, we talk, I don't know. We, I know we've, Han's I, a bad guy? 
I mean, yeah, you, you know. don't know if he's you don't know the guy. He's a smuggler. He is a bad guy. You don't know if he's good or bad. And he's a little. He's got an edge to him, and he blasts this dude to get out of get out of there. And then he just character develops into a good guy. He starts believing in the cause. I mean, you know when you know Leia's like, if money's all you care about, then that's sh- all you'll get. You know that'll be your reward. Yeah. You know, and so that's what he was a mercenary. And then he started believing in the cause, and that's what made it just another little side story of a great character arc. But if he shoots second, he's just defended himself. He's been a good guy this whole time. It's just yeah. silly. Well, good and bad is such a such a view from perspective, and I think that's where the Clone Wars really gets into it because Anakin has a lot of issues with the Jedi Order and the Council that happens between movie two and movie three, episode two and three. And like I said, I think the movies and the prequels did not do a good job of that. The Clone Wars does an incredible job of showing that gradual distrust like why are we doing this why are we doing that i don't agree with the jedi council on this and so you can see that slow dark side turn in the clone wars versus honestly in the movies it's kind of like a super awkward teenage romance in episode two between him and padme and then all of a sudden me love padme padme die me bad me evil mm. mm-hmm. and you're like okay man that was a quick turn Kid you know like, 10 years and well padme does not age at all well i mean <laughs> Something like that. Makeup, dude, in the Star Wars time. What can I say? <laughs> so, um, so all right, cool, man. Uh, well, I just wanted to see what you thought about Hannah Shoot because it is a, it is a, that's a pretty movie making one hundred and one thing. And I mean, the reason that does it really matter? But he went through so much trouble to to make this. And I mean, every every different version is a different shot fired. You know, like a split, a split half a second faster or whatever. Well. You're right, and then if you want to bring movie making, which is not my expertise by any means, but I mean, it goes back to some traditions that have been around forever. So typically when you see like the good guys and the bad guys are running at each other into a battle, it's typically the good guys coming from the left side, moving to the right, and vice versa. So I do believe that Han was on the left side of that shot you're talking about. So I guess he should have just left it like that, man. You know, he's a big guy. So um, yeah, I mean, there's all kind of little tricks, but um, okay, well... So let's get in here, man. Let's, let's talk. So you called me up, and I, I know I've heard a few things. I try to keep all of this fresh, never, never uh, knowing anything about it before we get into this podcast, because I like, they, like it ought to be genuine to me. So I'm asking the questions that what I, hopefully, asking what the audience would ask. So let's start with the Mandalorian, man. What, uh, what do you know about Mandalorians? Uh, quite a bit. So the question really boils down to, do we want to go with Legends? Do we want to go to Canon? And actually, we can do it where we start off with Legends, which leads into Canon, and then we can take it from there. And I can give a quick overview of the Legends, since it's not, quote-unquote, Canon, per se. Well, let's say this. Um, okay. What is Canon first? What What is considered Canon? So, that's a very interesting question. So, back in 2013, I do believe, uh, Disney bought... Um, Lucasfilm, George Lucas, Star Wars property, IP, etc. And they took about a year, and they basically came out, and I mean, you can look this up yourself. I'm, I'm not the expert on this specifically, but the general way to understand it, the, the movies are canon, Clone Wars is canon, and basically everything they did after that, once Disney owned it, was canon. So there are there are certain exceptions to that if you look it up, but like mainly like youth novels and stuff, but... Uh, Obviously, with Disney being Disney, they own Marvel. There's been Marvel comics. There's been all these books. Uh, I do believe Nick was talking about Thrawn. Now, that was Expanded Universe old trilogy, but actually that same author has written a new trilogy since that time that we just talked about. So my understanding is everything since 2014 that they've done is canon. Anything prior to that other than the movies or those two animated shows is not canon. So Rebels is canon or no? Rebels is canon. Okay. Um, what about the caravan with the Ewoks and all that? Remember that? Remember those two movies that were goofy kids movies? Well, okay. So here's the funny thing: Holiday Special uh, became canon. Well, at le- that's your interpretation of it. So the very first episode of The Mandalorian, uh, little Betty Quinn, uh, voiced by Nick Nolte. Goes your your people used to ride the great mythosaur. Well, the mythosaur was only introduced in the holiday specials, like a dinosaur-looking thing. <laughs> and because he mentioned, and then he mentions Life Day. Life Day was part of the holiday special, therefore. And even that blue—I can't think of his name—but the very very first scene where he captures that guy who's a bounty. He's oh, like, yeah. "Well, I hope I'm hope I'm free by Life Day." Yeah. Well, 
depending on your interpretation, everything from the holiday special just became canon because Favreau introduced it <laughs> in that very first episode. And this is where I will I will go ahead and preface this. We'll see how this conversation goes. Number one, clear, I love you. Lore changes all the time, so I think we're going to disagree on a couple of things, and I think there's some other things that you're not going to be happy about <laughs> as we go through this, depending on interpretation and stuff. So what, he did, he had a lot of stuff wrong, or was he... He's, there's okay, so I will give you the two big things that really stu- stuck out, uh, stood out to me, and then we can take it from there. So in episode ninety, this was kind of I think that was Clear's revenge. I think that was the name of the episode. Uh, Clear kind of was going over the building a computer. He was all over not to say he's all over the place, but he was handling different subjects. But he brings up my favorite character, who's Ahsoka Tano, and this is where I, g- I give him a little bit of credit here. So Ahsoka Tano, he said it was a great Jedi, and that's why her lightsabers were white. That is not completely correct. Um, Filoni did say that her lightsabers were white previously because she has no affiliation with Jedi or Sith. But actually, there was a novel, since canon, uh, written by E.K. Johnston, and it's just called Ahsoka, and it covers where she was doing between the Clone Wars and Rebels. And so, and actually, I think you were saying you were playing the Fallen Order. So Mm -hmm. after... Uh, basically, after the Empire takes over, uh, the Emperor tells Darth Vader, you need to go capture the rest, capture or kill the rest of the Jedi. And so he makes him in charge of this group called the Inquisitors. And the fourth brother, the ninth sister, that's what they're called. And they have lightsabers. And so actually Ahsoka... But they're not Jedis. They are not Jedis. Now, some of them, the original, I think the first brother, was actually a Jedi temple guard uh and there's an interesting thing with that they're the only ones in canon who have yellow lightsabers and those are passed down but Hmm. ahsoka defeats the sixth brother and she takes his kyber crystals so the kyber crystals are the crystals that power the lightsabers and the interesting thing about them is they are quote-unquote living things i would say kind of like how a plant is a living thing and so the sith turned them red by actually causing the kyber crystal pain to a quote-unquote it bleeds and that's where the red color comes for all Sith lightsabers. Jeez. What Ahsoka did, which has never been done in canon, that I am aware of, is she actually took those crystals, purified them, which gives her her white lightsabers that she holds. And an interesting thing about Ahsoka is she is the only person in any of Star Wars canon that I am aware of who rocks three different colors of lightsabers. Hmm. She had a green one, and that's typically what is considered a Jedi counselor. It's somebody who's strong with the Force. That's their main concern. She has a green one. Yoda has a green one. You can look that stuff up. Obi-Wan, Anakin, a lot of the other ones have blue ones. And then, uh, so she had a green one for most of Clone Wars. Anakin gives her some blue ones when she steps away from the Order, which is a whole different thing. And then, obviously, with the story I just told you between Clone Wars and Rebels... She actually takes that guy out, purifies the crystals, and she's the only person that I am aware of in canon that has white lightsabers. So she killed a, a Sith. And I don't know took- if they actually say she kills. I it, it Basically, it's the point where she obviously disarms him, takes his weapon. I don't know if they actually say kill. You know what I mean? Well, what's her story? Because she's back in... If, if Favreau put her into Mandalorian, she's got to be somebody... You she's know what huge. I'm saying? Uh, She's huge, and Filoni is actually, uh, that's his creator, or her creator, I should say. An interesting tidbit about Filoni is, the reason she's my favorite character is, uh, Filoni knew exactly, you talk about filmmaking and stuff, so they introduced her into a movie first. So you and Clear were right about this. The Clone Wars was an actual movie, animated movie first, that became a series. Okay. So in the movie, she is introduced as uh, Anakin's Padawan. And um, she's... He calls her snips. She's snippety. She's very smart, you know, she's with her mouth like and stuff like that. Or she's, she's she's basically a younger version of Anakin, whether he wants to admit it or not. And so Filoni is incredible because he knew introducing this character, you're going to hate her. No matter what he does, nobody's good enough to be Anakin's Padawan, this, that, and the other. Yeah. And through the Clone Wars, he know, he purposely gives her flaws, and he builds on those and corrects them to make her the Ahsoka that you see now. And so the funny thing with Ahsoka is episode 13, the Jedi, when you get introduced to her, ties into Rebels. And so at the very end of Rebels, Clear was talking about this. So 
there's a part where Thrawn, who's an incredible character we'll talk about later, is the main villain at the end of Rebels. He's a Grand Admiral, going back to, you know, Moff Gideon and Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Admiral, he is in charge of the entire... He's larger you know, than a moth. Navy. He's more. He's higher than a moth. See, I don't know which. I, I don't know. I have never seen anything that says that a moth is higher than a yeah admiral. So I, I really don't know. Okay. But basically, at the end of that show, Ezra Bridger is the young Jedi in that show, and he basically gets them to teleport. Now that's a long story, but they basically hyperspace to the unknown region, and you don't know what happens to them. And then at the epilogue of Star Wars Rebels. You basically see an older Ahsoka, and you see an older Sabine Wren, who, that's the other big point, sticking point I have, but uh, you see them, you don't know how much time has passed, other than that's after episode six. You know that the the Ewoks and the Return of the Jedi has happened, but you don't know how long afterwards. Okay. So, when you go back to the Mandalorian, at the very end, she's, she's hitting up that magistrate, who's your master? General Thrawn. She wants to know where Thrawn is. And so, the thought process here is, Rebels is happening concurrently to what's going on right now. So therefore, Ahsoka now has the knowledge of where Thrawn is. And at the end of the episode of Rebels, she grabs Sabine Wren now that she knows where Thrawn is at. And off they go to go find Ezra. And that's probably where that Ahsoka series is going to go. Is them finding their boy Ezra from Rebels. And them getting into it with Thrawn, who might be one of the most interesting... I hate to use the word villain. Characters... In not just Star Wars lore, but probably all of fiction. Oh wow! So all that. Ha- so where we see Ahsoka in Mandalorian, this is that's after the Ahsoka series, most likely. Well, no, it's after. So yeah, the Ahsoka series is probably going to take place concurrently to what's going on now. But Rebels, like I said, they don't tell you the time span there, but they were looking for Thrawn, and she asked that in the episode, and I think that's where this series is going to go. It's going to be her so grabbing she, Sabine Wren. So and what going episode that she asked for Thrawn in Rebels? Or are you talking about in uh, in the Mandalorian? Okay. So the the thing is Rebels. So she's there. You it, think she's on that island to find Thrawn? Oh, in the Mandalorian, I, she's on that not island that that planet. That place. Yeah, she's on the planet. She gets the information where Thrawn is, and now. Star Wars does a bad job of this. They throw things all together time-wise. So the very last episode of Rebels takes place immediately after the episode that we saw in The Mandalorian where she now knows where Thrawn is at. Oh, wow. And I think that's I where Ahsoka goes. Okay. Wow, man. That's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool how they just blend it all together. Um, True. Cool. So tell me about uh, Thrawn. What, so what's this big deal about him? Okay, so... Nick did a pretty good job, and he I think he knows that a little bit better than I do. So Thrawn is just an interesting character. Best way I can describe him is he is a blue-skinned, red-eyed Spock. Not a lot of emotion. Uh, very, very intelligent. And so the Legends versions of Thrawn and the new version, quote-unquote canon version of Thrawn, are very similar in their background. And so... Uh, in the legends, he basically there's a whole thing in the unknown region called the Cis Chis Chis. I'm sorry, the Chis Ascendancy. That's the name of his people, and they own a small chunk of planets out there. And the reason it's the unknown regions is that whole area is basically everything like west of the core is constantly in chaos. Like there's stars blowing up, this that and the other. So they can't do any hyperspace out there. You actually have huh. to have a force user as a navigator that's awesome. to get around. And that's why they're the unknown regions. So they're out there, and, and what Nick was talking about, this is central to both sides. There's an evil threat out there. And that's where Nick was going on about how they we're going to face the, the Vong. And that's the people who are not, that's a species who's not sensitive to force yeah. manipulation whatsoever. In the new canon, he purposely got caught by the Emperor... He's been observing what's going on, and he thinks the Empire is a stronger ally to help them fight a unknown enemy that's coming that's way worse than anything they've seen before. And so in Legends, it was called the Vong. In canon now, and they haven't done this other than the books, it's known as the Grisk. And they are able to control minds, very hive-like mentality. So uh, the Thrawn series, the new Thrawn trilogy, it's it's uh, Thrawn, Thrawn alliances and thrawn treasons and they came out by the same author like i think it's like 2017 2018 2019 go into all kinds of crazy things and that's actually the 
evil threat that you should be worried about in the future uh, going forward in Star Wars is this... It's like, it's on the other side of the wall, and uh, we don't know. Pretty much, and they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Thrawn. But Thrawn... Yeah, is he Thrawn's a Jedi, in or is he a... So, no, he, he doesn't have any um, force powers, if you will. Thrawn's just... Okay, let's backtrack here. In my opinion, you got to have a good villain. They've got to be. You got to understand where they're coming from. I think Magneto from the X Men is a great example of a good villain because you can see where he's coming from. Right. And from Thrawn, it's really about protecting his people. He chose to side with the Empire because he just thought they were more centralized. He could help fight things versus a galactic republic that was all over the place with different planets and stuff like that. And so. He's in Rebels, I want to say, in season three and four, and it's just how meticulous he thinks things out. He's not evil. You can see where he's coming from, but he's just very methodical with the way he does stuff. He loves art, and so he'll learn all about art and music from each planet and each species, and he'll find out what their fears are, where their strengths and their weaknesses are, just off of that stuff. And he just That's basically cool. outsmarts people. That's really yeah, cool. Um, I want to check that out. Yeah. Three and four, seasons three and four of Rebels. Yeah. He's in there. Cool. Um. And so he just got into the Empire. He got caught, and then he just basically turncoated, or not necessarily turncoated. Well, he basically saying. wanted to get caught, yeah, depending yeah, yeah. on which which series we're talking about. But he, he convinced them got caught. to make them him a high, you know, ranking guy. Well, the crazy thing about the Empire, if you look at it, and I think they try to make this lore, and I think that's where lore gets really weird, is because what was lore before can change on you know depending on what new materials added. But um, if you go back and look at the original trilogy. Um, Empire's pretty racist. There's nothing but humanoids. You don't see many other species. So the fact that gra- that he became the Grand Admiral of the entire fleet as a non-human species is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, that's what Nick was saying. Yeah, I didn't ever, I didn't really realize that. And he started talking about Thrawn. So that's the first time I'd heard about him, man. I mean, he's just been all yeah. over. Um, and you know what makes it so good? It just you just don't have to like I don't know about Thrawn, I don't know about all this stuff, and I really loved the Mandalorian. My kids love it. Uh, the other day we were watching. Um, my daughter has, she's six and she's seen a couple of them, and she don't really know. We don't talk about it. We just I always turn yeah. it on, and they just kind of be in the room, and they're like, oh, and they just kind of sit there with me and watch it. And it was the episode like three or four of the very first season of Mandalorian. This just happened like a week ago, and um, you know he took his helmet off to eat. When he's, it's the episode with the ATST that comes in, and he yeah. took his helmet off to eat. And my little girl turned and goes, oh. and "I go what?" He goes, "She took he took his helmet off." And I go, "Yeah." So she had realized it's not good. And he goes, she, and then she goes, "That's not the way." And I was like, oh, "I'm so <laughs> proud," you know. But it's like, yes. <laughs> how did you well, know that? You know, we don't talk. You know, it's just crazy what they pick up. So she even my five year old likes it, and she just—it's all about Grogu, homie. It's all about Baby oh, Yoda. Yeah. But you bring up a—you bring up another interesting point, if you don't mind, that gets a little crazy. Um, the way, what is the way? Um, so this is where me and Claire disagree at. Um, so let's go back. So there are twelve episodes between Clone Wars and the Rebels that cover Mandalore, if you will. Okay. And. Um, Pre Vizsla is the ancestor of Tar Vizsla, the one who created the Darksaber. And so he's the one who creates Death Watch, which is now the Watch, which is now supposedly where Din Djarin and his people. But that religious zealot thing I disagree with because Pre Vizsla, throughout all the Clone Wars and all the Night Watch members, uh, take their helmets off. I don't know where. I re- There's no canon that I've seen that explains why they became a religious zealot keep your mask on, etc., etc. But Death Watch was around in Clone Wars. And the other thing I have to disagree with Clear on is Bo-Katan's a good leader because Bo-Katan was Death Watch, and they were trying to take out the new Mandalorians who were the pacifists. And the interesting thing is the Duchess Satine is Bo's sister. Okay. So, at the very the beginning Duchess of all had that... The Duchess had the Darksaber at some point. So the dark saber, let's let's go with that then. So Tar Vizsla, a thousand years ago, and the way Star Wars does it is they go off of the Battle of Yavin, which is basically Episode Four, the first Death Star. Yeah. So over a thousand years prior to that, uh, the very first Jedi, um, Mandalorian Jedi, was Tar Vizsla. Interesting thing about the Mandalorian: Tar means either strength or justice in Mandalorian. That's how they named all their children. Is like 
these warrior like right. strength, justice, yeah. power bomb. I don't yeah. know. You you know, whatever strong name you want to go there. Yeah. So Tar Vizla um, becomes a Jedi, creates a dark saber. The dark saber is quote unquote the strongest lightsaber in canon because it's unique. It actually draws, and you can see it in the Mandalorian. It not only other lightsabers, but even with the Beskar, it almost draws things in. Uh, it gets lighter to the user as they use it more often, and their emotions do tie into it. And so, actually, it's it's been stated that the room will it will actually pull light from the room or area that you're in as the battle goes on, depending on that the, the user's emotion. What? So, so maybe tar- you created it. Um, yeah. I mean, what is there like an episode of kind of how we created it, or is there an explanation? No. Just he it, just says he no created ex- it. They just that he created it. Um, is he like super in, smart guy? I mean, how did he just? You know what I'm saying? Like, who well, just decided to kind of how did well, that, come that up gets, with it? That gets really interesting because the Mandalorians are very uh, Beskar. So Beskar, that metal is only found on their planet and their moon of Concordia. And while anybody can use Beskar, only Mandalorians know how to properly smelt it, meld it, whatever term you want to use there, to its fullest potential. And so, even if you were able to get your hands on Beskar, you still would not be able right. to do it as well as a Mandalorian. So, with him creating a lightsaber, dark saber, no idea. So it ha- probably has some something to do don't. with that. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Maybe maybe it has some kind of element that's only found on uh, Mandalore. Who knows? Yeah. I, th- that one's really not described that much. It just says that he created it, and um, now it gets into a trickier question of like, how, I think you asked this question, and it's never been answered. Like, how do you pass it on? Yeah. How, do, how does okay cool i'm on my deathbed you're my kid do i just physically pass it on to you and now you're mandalorian society the strongest warrior is supposed to be in mandalore the titles actually it's a warrior king chieftain that is that is the person who is in charge of and mandalorians actually stands for children of mandalore so you are a child of mandalore mandalore is the king the chieftain whatever term you want to use yeah but it disappears for a thousand years, per se. Nobody knows where it is. Pops up with Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. Um, and who's the ancient grand, 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 whatever of uh, Tar, Tar Vizsla. Yeah. Now, um, the Civil War stuff that there was, there's just, you got to understand there's a ton of Civil Wars. There are warrior people. The reason that there's the new Mandalorians who are pacifists is it's destroyed their planet. And that's why they're in the biodomes, like you guys discussed and all that. So basically, Pre Vizsla's chilling on Concordia. The Duchess knows he's there. The Duchess is uh, Duchess Satine. That's Bo's sister. And the thing about it is, there are clans in Mandalore, just like Game of Thrones. There's families and stuff like that. Yeah. So they come from a well-known uh, thing. But she is a pacifist. And this is where some stuff from Episode ninety two I disagree with. It wasn't Anakin and Obi Wan who helped her in the Civil War. It was actually Qui Gon and Obi Wan who did that. Not it. There was when Obi-Wan was a young, young Padawan, and he actually falls in love with Satine. They had a love interest. So, anyway, they're wow. there. They're on the planet, and Pre Vizsla creates Death Watch. Bo-Katan, her sister, is part of that. And then that's the Civil War where they are trying to take back over and bring back the ancient warrior way. And what gets funny is where Darth Maul comes into play here is he has got a group of criminals underneath him known as the Shadow Collective and he gets with Death Watch and he gets with Pre Vizsla and he's like yo you want to take back your planet you got to win the hearts of your people so this is what we'll do I will invade the planet you will stop us and then you can show that Duchess Satine is a weak ruler and the people will change their opinion and they will go back to the warrior ways with you in charge yeah so that's where that went so why did Duchess wanted it just to rule well, she was she was the elected official. She was part of the pacifist group. She okay. was their she leader. She was an elected so, official. She she still thought she needed to have that, just for tradition's sake, the dark saber. Well, no, she never had the dark saber. I, okay. I apologize if I got confused. Pre Vizsla's held on to this the whole time. Okay. As as part of Death Watch, the Duchess is the elected official. Actually, the Jedi helped the pacifist new Mandalorians beat the warrior mandalorians because otherwise that makes no sense like how did a bunch of pacifists right. a warrior group of people yeah so she's elected as the duchess and um they start the civil war maul comes in does exactly with that plan 
we're going to make you look strong. And so the people sway their opinion. And the Duchess is actually put in jail. And this is where she's changed a lot. But Bo-Katan was not exactly a good guy during this whole story arc. Because she was all Death Watch. And then Maul being Maul was very smart. So at the end of that, uh, he challenged Pre Vizsla for the Darksaber and won. So now oh, you, split wow. the, you split the Mandalorians who are warriors because half of them believe in that. And the other half are like Bo-Katan leading this group now. You're not a Mandalorian. You're not going to lead the Mandalore people. And that's where that Death Watch and the Night Owl split up. And that gets resolved way on down in the Clone Wars called the Siege of Mandalore. But basically, the dark saber belongs to Maul. So Maul tricked Tar Vizsla or Pre Vizsla, saying yeah. that um, oh, we'll, we'll make you look strong, and then I'll challenge. Now he, he he did that. Yeah, he just pulled, and he got it. Yeah, okay. And that's how he had the dark saber. And Bo Katan was get... had the Death Watch, and they were participating in this with. Uh, they were following uh, Pre Vizsla. Pre Vizsla. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so Maul has the dark saber now. And then they yes. split up, and then the Death Watch becomes the Mandalorian's deal. And yes. then uh, the pacifists just move on and do other stuff. The Night Owls. Well, they, yeah, they, they get conquered, per se. Or, like, you know, the Death Watch has now taken over under that. Now, the funny thing is, Maul wins, and he puts a puppet Mandalorian in charge while he runs his underground, underground stuff. And then that gets resolved way on down in the future, where Ahsoka Tano and... Bo-Katan take part in what they call the Siege of Mandalore, and they take over Mandalore with the Rebels' help. I mean, yeah, with the uh, Galactic Republic's help. But that happens down the road. So there's three story arcs in Clone Wars. Uh, season 2, episode 12 through 14 is the first Mandalore plot. Does the pre-Vizsla, talks about that stuff. Season uh, 2, 12 through 14. Yep. <laughs> I want to watch this. Yeah, I got you, dog. <laughs> uh, and then season 5, episode 14 through 16 is what we just talked about. That's where oh, wow. Maul gets involved and all this other stuff. Now, the interesting thing about that with the Darksaber is, and I'm, I'm mixing our lores here, is Harry Potter and the Elder One because the Emperor feels Maul's presence with all he's doing, and he rolls over to Mandalore, and he kicks the crap out of Maul, but he doesn't kill him. He actually imprisons him. Right. So does that mean that the Darksaber belongs to the Emperor? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Now, so you have those episodes that we just talked about, and then they just redid, or they just did season seven last year. They finally got the go ahead to finish that up. So for Clone season Wars? Seven, the Clone Wars. Oh, wow. They're still making stuff for that. Well, what happened was when Disney bought them, they ended Clone Wars and they started Rebels. So they okay. just ended the Clone Wars. So they allowed Filoni, with everything that they'd done with The Mandalorian, they allowed him to finish up season seven of the Clone Wars. And so. Season 7, episode 9 and 10, is the Siege of Mandalore. So Ahsoka Tana, who is not a Jedi at this point, and Bo-Katan go back to Mandalore with the clone's help, and they take back and they capture Maul. And that. <laughs> and then you go to Rebels, and there's there's two story arcs there about uh, Mandalores and a Darksaber, and that's where um, they tell the story in Rebels of how the Darksaber came about. That's in those episodes. Okay. And so, I got those episodes if you want those as well. Um, yeah, I'll get, I'm going to get them from you. Yeah. Um, the uh, Well, just tell me. Yeah, just go ahead and tell in case somebody else is listening wants to know. Rebels. Yeah, no problem. So in Star Wars Rebels, uh, Rebels Season 3, Episode 15 and 16, and then Season 4, Episode 1 and 2. So 15 and 16 are what? Trials of the Dark Saber and Episode 16's Legacy of Mandalore, and then Season Four, Episodes One and Two are the Heroes of Mandalore Part One and Two. Okay, and then back it up to Clone Wars. You said Season Seven, um, Nine, Episodes and, Nine and Ten. Okay, yeah, that's what I had. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's gonna be awesome, man. And so I watched those recently just to rewatch it for my own. You're looking at about four hours. Each episode's about twenty minutes. You know, they're all on Disney Plus. So yeah. anybody who's listening and's interested, there you go. But before we go anywhere else, and then I'll answer any questions you want, comes into, this was the biggest thing I had an issue with, with what Clear said on episode 92. So you being a Star so you being a Star Wars guy, you took, yeah. you also had issues with the uh, the podcast, right? So you, heard, well, here, you just heard stuff that's like, oh man, I gotta, you know what I'm saying? I gotta say something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the biggest one, and then, and then it's whatever. So in episode 92, 
Sabine Wren is huge, and Sabine Wren is a Mandalorian. Okay. She is a Mandalorian. She belongs to Clan Wren. And here's the interesting thing, and this is why. So that's a different clan. Everything. That's a different clan than the Death it's Watch. It's a different she was clan. Leading. She was leading the Death Watch, though, right? And then no, she no, was no. in Night House. Sabine, Sabine Wren's a completely different character now. Sabine Wren is in Rebels. She is a. She she gets introduced in Rebels. Okay, so let me just get it straight. So, um, who's Duchess's sister? Bo Katan is. Okay, Sabine Wren. Okay, she, Sabine Wren. Sabine is Wren. Who? Is she, she in Mandalorian? She's a character in Rebels. She's a character in Rebels. She's not in Clone Wars. Is she, she in Mandalorian at all? Rebels. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah, never mind. I was thinking somebody else. Sorry to confuse so, so, everybody. Yeah, no worries. Sabine Wren is a Mandalorian. I will say that for the third time. And there's my source here. Uh, StarWars.com states, Sabine Wren was a Mandalorian warrior, explosives expert, and graffiti artist. So... If you watch Rebels, you will know Sabine Wren is a Mandalorian. She is from Clan Wren, and so the story with her is interesting. She was young when the Empire took over, because now you're... Rebels takes place, like, right up to Episode 4 and 5. So you're looking at, between Clone Wars and Rebels, you're looking at, like, a 15, 20-year difference now. Mm -hmm. So Sabine Wren starts off, she goes to the Academy uh, to be part of the Empire, and she creates a weapon, which Claire talked about, called the Duchess. Now, the funny thing about the Duchess is this... Now that you know who Duchess Satine is, that was the Empire's big middle finger to all the Mandalorians. We're going to make a weapon that kills you in your armor, and we're going to nickname it after your former leader, the Duchess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's where I remember he said there was a weapon called the Duchess that vibrated him so bad. That's why it's called the Duchess. Oh, wow. So Sabrina Wren is a Mandalorian, and her and Ezra Bridger from that. But Ezra see, I thought he said. But Clear did say that. Sabine Wren created the Duchess, didn't he? He did. And he, he said, said that he, she was not a Mandalorian. Well, he said he was mad because she was killing her own people with it. Yeah, well, I, okay. I, I made sure I listened to that three times, right. and he said that she wasn't a Mandalorian, and <laughs> I was right. like, whoa. Okay, um, so, what we're, so keep going. So basically, with Sabine Wren, she's, part, she's a Mandalorian. Her and Ezra find <laughs> She's a <times>. Mandalorian. <laughs> okay. They they find the dark saber from Maul. Maul doesn't care at this point. This is twenty years past. He's he's got it in his place where he's hiding out at, and him and them get into an altercation. But she picks up the dark saber. It's just there, like yeah, she just Darth finds had it. it. Darth Maul had it at his place, and so those next couple episodes that you watch in Rebels, uh, they start fighting back against the Empire because at this point the Empire has a lockdown on Mandalore. They're all following the Empire. And she finds Bo-Katan, and she does offer it to her. So, like you had stated, or you, either one of you had stated, Bo-Katan never won this in combat. Yeah. She basically was gifted the Darksaber by Sabine Wren, and the clans did accept her as the Mandalore. But that's where it gets very interesting. So, her wanting to get it now is kind of interesting to me for a couple of reasons. So, at the end of Clone Wars, when you watch those that Season 7 episodes, she becomes a regent of Mandalore. The the Republic, before they go away, recognize her as the leader. And then the Empire takes over. So there's one strike against her as a leader. I'm not saying she could have fought the Empire by herself or whatever, but while she was the regent of Mandalore, the Empire takes over. And now we're in Rebels. Sabine Wren gives her the Darksaber, gifts it to her. She doesn't win in combat. Clans accept her as the Mandalore. And a couple of years later... As I mentioned in the Mandalorian, the jet, uh, the Great Purge happened. So we don't know exactly what that means, other than they messed up the Mandalores on man, you know, on their planet some way somehow, and now their people are scattered to the winds. So there's now twice that while she was leader, some bad stuff happened. So I'm more curious going into season three. Even if you were Mandalorian, and even if she had wanted in combat, would you want to follow her? Hmm. Interesting. So she did have it. How did she lose it? That doesn't explain. She somehow lost it to Moff Gideon. The thing about Moff Gideon is he was in charge of basically the intel part of the Empire. So if you remember back in season one, when they have everybody in that last, the series finale, he knew who Cardoon was. He knew who Din Djarin was. Moff was basically the head of the intel area. So he knows all that stuff. He probably understands the history of the Darksaber. Whenever the Great Purge happened, he probably scooped it up. And to the Mandalorians, I mean, that's a symbol of power. Yeah. Well, um, 
let's just ask you then this this, this so the Mandalorian you've, you've seen all the Mandalorians uh, yes what did you think about the last episode with Luke on there I loved it it's the only thing that really made sense to me I mean you knew in in the legends that hasn't become canon yet he's he's trying to set up a Jedi Academy yeah so of all people to be touched by Grogu reaching out to the force and asking for help Luke made the most sense I just didn't expect him to do it I thought they did an incredible job. Uh, Star Wars fans are very toxic. I mean, I heard complaints about the CGI. I mean, honestly, homies, just be happy that you got the loot that you wanted and not what they did to him in episode eight of the movies. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. They're going to erase that. Perfect? They're going to just start all over I, seven and eight and nine. I just, nope. They're I disagree not? with you there, too. Oh, no, don't say that. I wish they would Here's just Here's why. It. Okay. As of right now, so, you know, Clear brought up that some fans who don't know the lore might have missed the Darksaber at the end of season one. But one thing I haven't heard you guys discuss on the show yet is first let me ask you, why were they after Grogu? I thought they were trying to get some kind of a DNA from him and create some kind of Jedi or something. Well, you're on the right track. So the Emperor was cloned and that's how he makes an appearance in Episode 9. And Snoke was also a clone. Well, you're making clones, but you just can't produce the force in people. So how about you grab a force user with his M count is what they use. The midichlorian thing that we all hate, but yeah. they mention it. The M count that scientist you see in episode one and episode two is a clone scientist. He has a patch that shows that he is a clone scientist. And when they, when him grief and Kara do the siege in that one, uh, Imperial base, and those people are like trying to break out the computers and erase the data. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, Moff's still alive. If you look off to the side, you see a bunch of tubes with bodies in it. Yeah. So yeah. I could be wrong, but I think this is why I disagree with the retcon. I think what Favreau and Filoni are doing is they're trying to make more sense of the things that per, that exist right now. Like, okay, not big fans of it, but yo, we're going to throw some tidbits for the hardcore fans. There you go. That's how the clones came about. They stole Grogu's blood, used his M count, and that's how clones were made of Palpatine and Snoke and. Wow. Whatever the case may be. So the Emperor was a clone in the in the movie. I didn't know even though he was a clone in uh I don't think you I think most of you guys except for Clear said you had not seen episode nine. No yeah. I saw yeah. I saw so, nine. Oh did you? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a clone. I think okay. it's mentioned somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw it one time. Like I think I saw it in the movies. Yeah, and that's all I not saw. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I d I didn't know that the uh, Snoke was a clone either. But um That's interesting. And yeah. so the big bomb here that I'm hearing hearing rumors about. Maybe you can shed yeah. some light on it. There's a there's a path in the lore that makes Luke the owner, the true owner of the dark saber. Is that true? Okay, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Coast. I was talking to Coastal about this. So let's go back to my Elder One theory. So this is okay. a theory. It's just your theory. It's not. It's a theory. It's a theory. Okay. I've I, I've not heard anybody else say it, but it kind of makes sense. So. This again, once again, this is the hard thing about being a Star Wars fan. The lore changes all the time, right? So if you watched up to Rebels, there was never anything said that you had to win the Darksaber in combat to be the Mandalorian. That was never introduced until the, the show The Mandalorian. Okay. That's when it was mentioned. So now that you looked at that, if you go backwards, Pre Vizsla had it. Maul kicks his butt, kills him. Now he's a Darksaber guy. He's, a, you know, he's the owner of the Darksaber. And I think in that same episode... Palpatine shows up, and not to get too crazy, uh, Maul has a brother who's his apprentice. You have to watch the show to understand that. The Emperor shows up, kills his brother in front of him, and is like, I'm going to let you live just so you can suffer. So technically, hey. the Emperor has the Emperor has Should have had the dark Maul saber. in combat. Yeah. So does he not deserve the, based off the new lore that's been introduced, Does he is he not the Darksaber wielder? He doesn't want it. He doesn't care. Right. And then, okay, following the Elder One Harry Potter theory, well, who beats the Emperor? Well, it's Darth Vader. So then Darth Vader would be, because he throws him over at the end of episode six. Right. So really, I wouldn't even say Luke's the, I'm, Luke was around his dad before he died, but I, don't, I wouldn't say Luke defeated. beat Darth Vader. You wouldn't say that. I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, he beat Darth... Uh, yeah, right, he, yeah that's true. Yeah, did he? Did he beat Darth Vader? Well, I mean, he kind of gave up and was like, you know, if my dad's going to kill me, well, my dad's going to turn to the light side. Yeah. They fought. He fought and one one gave up, right? 
Yeah. So loot could technically be the the if it's by combat only, whether or not it's even you can't you know if you get killed beat in combat, yeah, it's the dark saber's mine. You don't have to relinquish it to me. It's mine yeah. technically. Just like you can't relinquish it willingly without combat. You know, if it's got to follow those rules, then then Luke was the main. Is really the rightful owner of the dark saber. I would say wow. I, that he's 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 honestly, in my opinion, has the closest claim to it. If you really want to go there with it, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. What if they thought of that? Or you know what I'm saying? I don't think they did. I think sometimes they do a good job of keeping the lore together, but sometimes, like I said, the as soon as that episode aired, where you know you got to win it by combat and everybody freaked out and oh my gosh, season three is going to be Den and Bo-Katan fighting over why can't she, why can't he lose a game of basketball one-on-one to her and she can be the ruler. And people who are big Rebels fans are like, yo, Bo-Katan never won that. Like it was given to her, dude. Like, what are we talking about? So that was new lore that was introduced. So anybody who was a Rebels watcher a couple years ago when aired, when they saw that episode, they're probably thinking the same thing I was like, uh, what? Oh, we're just changing things on the fly again? Cool. Star Wars be Star Wars, man. <laughs> What's, what do you think is the most contentious thing amongst the Star Wars f- fans? Like, what you know, what do they... Hate the most? Yeah, what do they get the most arguments over, essentially? Oh. Um, first. <laughs> I, I think Jar Jar Binks is a sense of contention for everybody. Um, well, something that they disagree with, like this, you know what I'm saying? Is there a such thing? Hmm. Or is everybody just like I hate this part of the lore? Me too. Me too. Dude, they just—they're just toxic. I mean, I'll be honest here. I think Star Wars fans, as a group, as a collective group, I'm generalizing here. They're toxic about everything. I mean, you know, like I said, I—I I am a Star Wars fan. I, I'm not a fanatic. I just like the lore. So, I mean, I, what I've done here is the same things I do when I get into a game, when I get into a book. Uh, I just like to understand the nuances of why things are happening the way they are. If if you've done a good job as an artist to create something that has that much depth, I like to look about it. You know, I like to, to get into it. You know, and yeah. H&K being originally a video game podcast, like Dragon Age. I love Dragon Age. I know big fans of Elder Scrolls. And if you take the time and read the lore and understand the world that you're in, depending on who you are as a person and how you like the game, there's a lot of depth to it. Now, on the flip side, you know, I can also play you in NBA Jam on the Super Nintendo, <laughs> and I don't need to know that James Naismith created basketball in 1870-whatever. <laughs> I just think it depends on the game and how interesting the world is that you're talking about there. That's interesting. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear some Elder Scrolls lore. Maybe we get you and um, British Ooh, Redneck on because she knows about I am that. Not, I am not an Elder Scrolls expert. I could dig in some Dragon Age for you. Oh, uh, really? And I think we, we talked quickly on the phone. Zelda is very interesting. Yeah, we're definitely going to do people, a Zelda. Definitely going to yeah. do a Zelda. No doubt. Um, so that's a convoluted timeline just like um oh lord <laughs> it's, it's like an afterthought we'll, we'll talk about that and you talked yeah. about it on the, on the uh, phone a little bit which is very interesting and so yeah, yeah so right away we're like okay yeah we're gonna do that so um <laughs> well dude it's a kind of crazy with this mandalorian uh talk and how in depth it goes because you know everybody that's if you just take it from my perspective and we're just watching you know four five six one two three and I've yeah. tried to watch some of uh, Rebels, which is cool concept. And I just kind of like, I only watched like the first five episodes or something. Nothing yeah. nothing big. And I didn't even know Mandalorians was, was coming out later. Or maybe I did watch some of it. But, um, and I was telling Clear, I said, you know, dude, it took me like three episodes to realize that wasn't even Boba Fett on uh, on the Mandalorian. You know, I thought because <laughs> well, one of the reasons is because I told, they were saying they were going to do a Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I thought. Okay, this is going to be Boba Fett. Um, so where do you think that's Rosa? What do you think of some of these other these new things are going to go? I think if Filoni and Favreau are working together, kind of like you guys said, I 100. If they are quarterbacking it, if they're keeping things together, and I think it's going to be a lot like the Arrowverse. I think you're going to have crossover episodes where so you got the Book of Boba Fett, and you got Fennec with him with yeah with Boba, and then you got one they haven't talked about, but it's like I think Kara is going to get her own show. Cardoon is, you know, with her being the marshal. Then you got the Mandalorian going, you got Boba Fett, you got Ahsoka, you got Kara. And if they are doing a decent job, and it sounds like they do have, like, yo, here's the overall plan. Uh, one yeah. thing I would say, like, <coughs> Netflix, you know, a lot of Netflix series nowadays, I think that's great. They come in and they go, look, I got a five season series, 20 episodes per season, 100 episodes. This is the overall arcing plan. And, you know, and yeah. if it does well, Netflix renews it. I, I, I love The Mandalorian. I hope it doesn't go past like season six, seven, eight. I don't want it to be drawn out. Super great and then just 
yeah. drop off, you know. Yeah. I don't think they would need need to because, like you said, they got so many different avenues to take. You know, they just do Mandalorian yeah. and then they'll start a whole other story or whatever. And, you know, that is what makes a story great. I mean, if you look at, not get too far off subject, but like a Breaking Bad, you know, I love the Breaking Bad uh, yes. shows, but they had it planned out from the beginning to the end, right? Six seasons or five seasons, we're done. And you just yeah. take something like Lost, which was very oh. interesting to watch, but they had no idea what they were doing. They were making it up on well, the fly. <laughs> that's twofold with that. I'm, I'm a huge old school X-Files fan from the early 90s, and they only they didn't think they were going to be on TV longer than four seasons. So if you watch the first four seasons of X-Files, it's it's not bad. Yeah. And then it just goes off the rails. Right. And, and I think that's the funny thing. As a Star Wars fan, you talk about contention. How about we'll go with this then? The biggest thing that they're upset about. So, going back to the canon thing. So, Disney's been super protective of Star Wars. Like, everything has to get cleared through them. Like, we're going to do this. Oh, okay, you can't do that. We're going to do this. No, you can't do that, but you can do this. So, they do this with all the other IP, the comics, the books, etc. And then they have no plan for the, the, the sequel trilogy. Like, J.J. Yeah, Abrams, true. I agreed with you. They played it safe. And then they introduce Ryan Johnson as director in 8. And that's not the Luke we wanted to see. Or at least, if you're going to make Luke that at the end, let us know what a BA he was from yeah. the end of episode six to now. Like, yo, I did all this crazy stuff and I'm just old and tired and yeah. I'm ready to go. So Explain that it, just, yeah. they didn't have a plan for that. And I mean, best example of that would be Finn. So, you know, the whole time they're hinting at Finn having some kind of force powers, this, that, and the other, you know, he's a former empire, you know, soldier and everything else. And my boy Bill Burr goes on The Mandalorian in one episode and in 15 minutes has a greater story arc and, you know, <laughs> PTSD, I'm taking these dudes out, yeah. I didn't see anything, homie, we cool, I'm out. In 15 minutes of that episode, then Finn got in three yeah. movies. And, like, it, it's, it, you know. Wow, yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just... <laughs> You know, I just see, yeah, everybody can just complain, but it's just, they just really just blasted it. And, you know, and I wish they would retcon it. I wish they would start over. Or they, and they may, they may just say, hey, we're going to do, well, it's another I think it's con- concurrent seven, eight, nine is a different, you know, what Luke was doing, maybe, or whatever. I don't know. I, I wish they would. I, I hope you guys are right. I just disagree. I think the way they're going, I think they're just going to try to patch it up the best they can. I think it's hubris. I don't think Disney or Kathleen Kennedy or any of the big dogs that were involved with that mess are going to be like, our bad Star Wars fans, those movies don't count. Yeah. Let's start over. I just don't. I don't personally see that. Maybe it happens. I, I doubt it. I just wonder what the impact that would have in the Star Wars community. But say if you something you don't like, if you complain enough, then we'll just say it. Well, didn't happen. let's. What were the three things we're not supposed to talk about? Political, yeah. you know, politics, religion, and Star Wars. I think we're going to start mixing some stuff together there. But well, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I just don't see them doing it. I hope they do. But like you said, then it becomes this. They come out with a series, and 80% of us think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. The other 20%, because there's always those people, man, F the new Star Wars, man. Yeah. I'm the OG oh, yeah, 789 like guy. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think, so you're talking about the guy that's real protected. They, you know, there's got to be a guy, at least one guy, probably runs a team at Disney that's like, we know all the Star Wars lore, and your job is to read the Star Wars books all day. <laughs> you know what I'm I, saying? You know, I think I think there's a guy. Now, the thing it was, you had said that, and that's kind of what Favreau's doing is he's going back into the legends and going, "Yo, that was good." You yeah. know what? We're bringing that in. That's that's now canon. We're bringing that back. We're bringing that back. And that's kind of where Filoni comes into it. Like an interesting thing of what you just said. So I was telling you about the lightsabers before. Well, George Lucas himself was anti-anybody having a yellow lightsaber. And him and Filoni went back and forth on it over and over and over. But it was George Lucas, so what's Filoni going to do? So they are protected of their lore at certain points, but then, like I said, even the Darksaber, it went from, yo, it's just a token of who the leader is to you got to win it in combat. That that was a new piece of lore that was introduced but during that, the Mandalorian. So That's not what it used to be. So it's logical, reasonable to believe that they have some plan for that, right? Um, and they would, introduced it for a reason, so. yeah. You know, so, so well, and the last I, episode. So, my personal take on it is, I think what we're about to see, and I could be completely wrong, but my theory on season three is, I think we get the Mandalorians back together. I think they're all in different clans because, once again, we don't know what the Great Purge is. So maybe we go back to Mandalore and just see how messed up the planet is. Who's left? Who's around? And then it almost does take a Game of Thrones type of thing. So you got people 
like there was two other Mandalorians that were. I'm sorry, no, it was it was Bo-Katan and it was uh, I can't Reeves. I think it's her name. That's her character's name. But okay, cool. They go back to Mandalore and Den's got the dark saber, and half the people want Bo-Katan to be the boss, and half of them are like, "Yo, you've screwed up twice. We'd rather have this new guy we've never met before yeah. be the Mandalore, or there could be some, you know, beefed up warrior BA." on Mandalore who's holding people together and it's just a, be a, cool. a season full of just politics and trying to figure out where are the Mandalorians, how are they surviving, getting them together, is the Empire still on Mandalore, do they kick them off Mandalore, but who becomes the boss? Yeah. Well, um, I will say this about the movies like you were talking about and we said Disney's pretty protective of the Star Wars and, and you know people can have a misconception and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I'm I'd be willing to bet um, that they don't care as much about the Star Wars lore as they do about the Disney image, and that's what they're trying to be protective of. And, yeah. And we always forget to, you know, you've heard this a million times, nobody needs to make a new, uh, you know, Terminator. That was, they're messing it up. You know, they don't care if they mess it up or not. That movie's they want that Terminator money, 2. Man. Exactly. Terminator <laughs> 2 is 92. It's then got its money, and that's fine. And so if they can figure out a way, which I think they would, definitely make a bunch of money yeah i know i would be super excited about it if they said hey wiping it from the slate clean slate seven eight nine starting again with this i would go pay i think they could get the whole hype all over again oh i i don't even i don't even if you didn't have the mandalorian i think you could get the hype and then the mandalorian adds well 10 times to that well i don't know i think because the mandalorian adds the fact that hey everybody loves star wars again because, you know, you don't know what you, you know, they, they've released 7, 8, 9. You're kind of like, are we just being burned out? Because then Han Solo comes out and it's an okay movie. Then, yeah. You know, and all these, and uh, the Rogue um, Rogue One was, I liked it. I thought it was pretty it was good. good. That's probably yeah. the best one that they've done out of the, the, the latest. And so, um, you know, now that we know that Favreau is bringing in all this old, because that's what everybody wanted to see, this old school lore that, you know, had been all like Luke's, you know, I know Nick had said, you know, that the Luke had done all this cool stuff. And then he's just this oh, yeah. moping, wallowing, you know, and Depressed. so, yeah. yeah. And so everybody's like, what? So everybody was expecting to see some of that. So if they come back, that's what everybody would be excited about. And they'd be like, dude, this well, is going to be great. I agree, I agree with you. But the thing that scares me with that is, like I said, I think Favreau and I think Filoni have done a great job, but so they've got, I can't remember her name. I think it's Patty something. So she is the first director for... There's a Star Wars Rogue One or Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie coming out based on fighter pilots, and she's going to be the director. I loved what she did with Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 is probably one of the five worst superhero movies I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean... I've just heard nothing but bad stuff about it. I watched it just to watch it. It's... It's bad. (laughs) Um, What's the 84? Is it supposed to be something like set back in 1984? You know what? We could spend a whole other okay. podcast. It, it's, it's bad. Let's just say it's bad and leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> um, but she was a director for that. So I loved the first Wonder Woman. I did not like the second one. Her helming that kind of worries me. And I can never pronounce his name. But he's he's directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. But it's the guy who directed uh, Thor Ragnarok and some of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Great director. Love Thor Ragnarok. He's in charge. He's supposed to be the... He's penned as the director for a future Star Wars project as well as a movie. So, I don't know. Like like I said, if Favreau and Filoni have their fingers in it, I have a lot of faith, you know, that it's at least going in the right direction. But I think they know that they can't drop the ball again with another movie. Yeah. I, I, you know, whatever that is, whether that's episode 10 or retcon episode 7 or whatever the case may be. It only works I think it, if they retcon. It only works if you retcon with, say, in Filoni and Favreau are going to do the next three. If you just say some random other people, then everybody's going to go, well, no. Yeah. It doesn't work much. that way. You know? But then Star, Star Wars fans being Star Wars fans, they're not. They're never going to be happy. Okay, cool. Favreau, Filoni, you're on the next trilogy. We're giving you everything. Well, who's going to hold the helm down during all these Disney Plus shows then? Well, you can do that after. That you know, you do that after. And so, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> you know, it'll be, you know, seven, eight, nine will be, you know, 10 years from now or something, you know. That's know. true. But, um, you know, are they just have a you know concurrent timeline with 789 but something else is going on while this is going on and this is the real you know it's kind of like just a big distraction kylo ren was just this puppet toy that just a distraction for the real real sinister plot that was going down you know because he just seems like a you know i like this character okay but he just never really that powerful he's just kind of like a second-rate jedi poor man's jedi or something 
Yeah, I, like I said, yeah, the, the last trilogy, as much hate as the prequels got, I almost prefer the prequel trilogy. I do trilogy prefer the sequels to them, yeah. Than the sequel trilogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just because episode uh, three, if if that. Episode three alone is enough to prefer the prequels to, to that. 100% agree with you, but like I said, I think now, once again, the entire the entirety of Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the animated series is a lot to take. That's 134 episodes. Jeez. But uh, if you watch the, and once again, you gotta love the internet, you gotta love Google. I'm sure if you put like Anakin's greatest character development episodes in Clone Wars, you'll probably get six or seven, and you watch those and then you go into watching the Revenge of the Sith again, I think you get a better appreciation for it. Once you, once again, once you understand why Anakin changes yeah, more so than what the movies show you, I think you get a better appreciation of it. Yeah. Cool. All right, dude. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on here. That was a lot of information and you and Clear and Nick and everybody with this lore, it's just <laughs> so much stuff to take in and you're saying Clear said this or whatever. And I'm trying to remember it. I can't remember what he said, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. No, it's stuff. a lot. It's a lot. I'm sure we'll have some fun going back and forth if that ever happens. So. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe one day we'll, we'll get that going home and find something else to to blast on for sure either star wars or definitely want to have you on a hnk for some zelda lore though i mean that's going to be sounds a, good a big one we can talk age of calamity some breath of the wild talk about all of the timeline so um dude i really appreciate you coming on man thanks for doing all that dude it's been a blast man i've had a lot of fun man awesome man well appreciate you guys listening and uh, y'all have a good evening take care